And then we, and the school of the prophets, and Elisha got a glimpse of what we know to be true, but we don't often see. This life is not the end. There is more after this life. We will be with our God, and we will live with him forever in his kingdom. Elijah simply took the shortcut. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. February 11, 2024. 2 Kings 2, verses 1 to 12. There was a man who had lived his life preaching and teaching the gospel, and he'd made a big influence and reached a lot of people. And about a month before he died, he wrote in a letter to one of his friends, I, old, weary, worn, chilled and cold, one-eyed and half-dead as I am, I might have some peace at last. That man, as he wrote to his friend, recognized what all of us do. It doesn't matter whether you're a prominent preacher or the Christian who is 13 years old. It doesn't matter who you are. All of us face an end. And sure enough, a few days afterwards, he ended up being called, passing from this life. And it didn't seem like such a glorious end for a preacher of the gospel. He died and his body was cold and he had lived a weary couple of final days. Is there such a thing as a good death? What about what we see in God's word? Today we turn one more time to see how our anointed one is awesome and we get a glimpse as we once again look back in his word and we turn to 2 Kings chapter 2 and there we see that yes, God's people, despite the lowliness, despite the appearance of their life, do have a good death in store, each one. That's what we see as we turn out to God's word in 2 Kings. See, there we find a man who, if, if anyone had been a prominent preacher or prophet in his time, it was Elijah. Elijah had brought the people in Israel from a time of great darkness and evil to hear God's word. And Elijah, throughout his ministry, fought against the wicked king Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who set up shrine prostitution and worship of Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. And there was child sacrifice and horrible things going on. But God preserved his word. And yet when Elijah was nearing the end of his ministry, we find him, much like that other old preacher, saying he was despairing, that he was old and weary, and Elijah felt like he was the only one left. And what it seemed to him was the church, too, had grown cold and there were not many left. But God told Elijah that there were still 7,000 in Israel who still had not bowed down to worship Baal, the false god of the day. And God sent Elijah to one of those men. Elijah came to that man who was one of the 7,000, threw his mantle over him, signifying to that man that he would be Elijah's successor. That man's name was Elisha. And so the, the two of them walked along as lights in the darkness, carrying the word of God, but it came time for Elijah to leave this world. And unlike us, he was given notice ahead of time that this was what God was going to do. 
And so Elisha and Elisha, we read in 2 Kings, are traveling and they're making their way to Bethel and Elijah tells his student, I'm going now and you stay here, but Elisha would have none of it. He was going to follow his spiritual father to the very end and insisted on it. They arrived at Bethel and we see the school of the prophets there. And we don't know exactly who these were in Elijah's time, but they were evidently faithful prophets who were learning under Elisha as one of their leaders. And they said to Elisha, do you know that your master is going to be taken away from you today? Elisha didn't want to hear it. And he insisted once more he was going to stick with his master and he followed Elisha to the city of Jericho. And perhaps Elijah, before he left, wanted to visit these, what maybe we might call seminaries, where these prophets in training were learning God's word. And the school of the prophets at Jericho said the same thing. Do you know your master is going to be taken from you today? It was becoming pretty clear that Elijah did not have much longer left. And so Elisha would not leave him. You know, when it seems like death is pending and you know someone's going to die, it seems like it can suck all the joy out of the situation. It's kind of what we see here with Elisha as he knows that death is drawing near. Maybe you've experienced this in your life. Someone that you know has faced the same thing that we all do. They grow old and weary and eventually the body dies and it grows cold. Death is not glorious. Death is ugly. And even as death faces God's people, it's an ugly thing. And it doesn't just happen to old, aged prophets and preachers. It happens to all of us. And it doesn't just happen to those who grow old. Maybe you've experienced a young one dying. It, it could be perhaps a 13-year-old girl who gets an illness or an accident and their body too dies and they too grow cold. It doesn't seem so glorious that a, a child of God, whatever age they might be, might leave this world the way they do. But our glory is hidden. That's what we see a glimpse of in this account. Elijah may have been growing old and his time was now running to its end. But God gave a glimpse of who Elijah was in these dark times. As they came down to the Jordan River, the company of the prophets, 50 men were watching them. Elisha and Elijah came to the river. Elijah took that mantle of his, rolled it up and struck the river and the waters parted so they could cross on dry ground. Kind of like what Moses did when they crossed the Red Sea or Joshua when they entered into the Promised Land. Moses with his staff, Joshua with the ark before the people, and now Elisha with his mantle. God had not left his people. In power, he was still there with a man like Elijah, and he gave a glimpse of that to the prophets and to Elisha. God is always with his people. Even as it seems we live in dark times, his word is always there, and he still sends his word with those who will carry it. But then we see more. Elijah asks Elisha, what can I do for you before I go? And Elisha asks for a double portion of his spirit. You might wonder, well, what is, what is this? But it's really an expression meaning, can, can I be the heir after you who receives from you the, the first rites? 
In other words, Elisha was willing to take on that role of taking over after Elijah, to be that prophet in a dark time. And Elijah assured him if he saw him when he left, it would be his. And then, then we see something amazing, something that is only recorded and found in Scripture two times. It first appears with a man long before the flood, Enoch, who's taken away and escapes death. And we see it once again here. A chariot of fire and horses of fire came. What often is used to describe a picture of angels came and separated the two men. And then it says, Elijah was lifted up into heaven in a whirlwind. He did not experience death, but was taken away. And then we and the school of the prophets and Elisha got a glimpse of what we know to be true, but we don't often see. This life is not the end. There is more after this life. We will be with our God and we will live with him forever in his kingdom. Elijah simply took the shortcut. He didn't have to experience death. And like Enoch before him, was already with God without having to die. And God's people know that we will too live with our God forever. He's not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And even though our time here might seem filled with ugliness and death and lowliness, there is glory. And for a time, that glory is hidden until God chooses to reveal it. And how do we know that's true? Well, we, we see Elijah again on the pages of Scripture. There we see Elijah standing alive with Moses on the mountain with Jesus and three of his disciples. And that great prophet Elijah and the great man Moses, the leader of God's people, are speaking with Jesus, God's anointed one, his only son. We read in the other gospel accounts that they're talking with him about his coming death. And Jesus' disciples had heard Jesus himself say that he was going to die soon, that he would be leaving this world. And it's almost as if the disciples didn't want to hear it. And they're saying, we know, don't tell us about it. Because they could only see the lowliness and the defeat. But God gave those three men on the mountain a glimpse of his glory as his anointed one was shown for who he is and they could see his face shining and his clothes so bright and the glory was before them as the voice from heaven the father spoke and said this is my son whom I love listen to him but God's glory is often hidden the disciples after their terror looked up and suddenly they realized there was no one there anymore but Jesus and Jesus told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after he had died and risen again. And they saw Jesus, the awesome anointed one who they had beheld in glory on the mountain. They saw him go down and they saw him head to the cross. And they saw the anointed one with his glory hidden as he hung on the cross in shame. And he died fulfilling the prophecies of Elijah and Moses and all the prophets before the anointed one of God hid his glory as he suffered for the sake of sinners. But we know the, the glory was hidden only for a while because Jesus, the awesome anointed one, rose from the grave and assures us that we too will live with him forever. 
Yes, right now there will be times where we maybe will feel aged or old or cold and chilly and worn out. And the world will look at us and they won't see something very strong. But you have the power of God with that message of the gospel in Christ and the promise of life everlasting. And this power overcomes everything in this world. And when Elisha saw Elijah going up in the whirlwind, he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Meaning, Elijah, you were a champion for the people. But of course, it wasn't the king, it wasn't the armies of Israel that were fighting off the nations around them. The real champion of his time was the one who carried God's word faithfully. That was the one who carried the people of God. And still today, the, the champion of God's people is, is not the one who can give the most or the one who can do the greatest feat or the one who can lead their nation to have the greatest power. No, the champion is the one who carries the sword of the Spirit in this world and the power of God. It's a power and a glory which right now seems lowly and hidden, but it's the power of God for eternal life in Christ. You know, that man that I mentioned earlier, that aged pastor, his name was Martin Luther. And he thought he could maybe rest in peace, but he wasn't able to because he had to travel back to the place of his birth. So he left from Wittenberg to Eisleben to settle a controversy that had arisen in his hometown. And apparently, as it's reported, as Martin Luther was traveling from Wittenberg to Eisleben, he crossed an icy river and he noted all the chunks of ice that threatened to hit their ferry. It was crossing the river. And his humor was still intact because he started naming those chunks of ice after all of his opponents. But that river crossing and the, the cold journey had taken its toll on him. And his health started to decline. It was actually this time of year, at the start of February, he preached a sermon when he arrived and he wrote back to his wife, and she was concerned for his health because of his declining health and the situation he was in. But he wrote back to her saying, I have a caretaker that's better than you and all the angels. He's the one who was born in the manger and nursed at his mother's breath, but the one who now lives in glory and sits at the Father, the Almighty Father's right hand. He preached one more time and then his time ended and the Lord called him to glory. You see, he was kind of like Elijah in that he lived at a time when God needed his word to shine, when many were causing confusion and turning aside from the truth and many looked to him as the chariots and horsemen of Germany and the, the place where they shared the gospel. One of his friends, an artist, made a depiction of Martin Luther and it, it showed him preaching and between him and those who were listening was the cross of Christ. Because that's hidden. People might look to the person and maybe consider them the chariot or the, the horsemen, the power of God's people, but they knew. The listeners of Luther, the, the man Elisha, the prophets, they knew the real power is in the anointed one whom they point to. They, that man depicted Luther preaching as those who were listening to Luther were looking at Christ between Luther and and his, his people that were listening. And among those listening was depicted Luther's wife. And also among those listening was depicted a 13-year-old a girl, is one of Luther's daughters, Magdalena, who had died at the age of 13. 
But of course, she was not dead. She was among the living. She was one of those who by faith had the power of God. And like Elijah, Elisha, Moses, all the prophets, follow Christ, the Son of God, into glory, and through faith in him conquer death. And though their life might be lowly, whether they die at the age of 13 or old age, they are following the glory of God in Christ. And that's the same with you. As your champion with God's word in this dark world, you carry something amazing, something awesome, a power that overcomes the greatest evil and woe of this world, the message of the cross and the resurrection of Christ, the anointed one who is awesome in all his ways. And right now, yes, as you, a lowly person, carry that word, his glory is hidden, but it will be seen. The anointed one is awesome.